you guys with us today as well. So Tara's going to kick it off. I am. I will. We'll kick it off. Yeah. <laughs> You're being so confident. I'm feeling stuck. Okay. Yeah. Let's pray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Father, we thank you for the good work that you actually have already been like opening up with this morning. The, the delight and joy of um, Emily sharing about how she's just so experienced like another level and measure of your father's heart and what that actually looks like, what that, that actually feels like. And gosh, the, the worship this morning, we've just been able to enter into your goodness. And we just, we want to um, uh, bring what we have felt that you have actually given us, Father. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and to write on your words, mm. that your words would bring life and your words would speak truth and your words would truly be the breakthrough. So here we are, Lord. We love you. Amen. Amen. Wow. Good morning. What an honor it is to be able to, to speak into this series of identity. And if you haven't already, if you haven't been a part of the services before, then I really encourage you to listen to John's sermons online because they have been amazing. And now we get to put a bit of our perspective on that as well. Um, I don't know about you, but I find that as we walk through life, um, we can often become magnet to um, uh, that attracts labels to ourselves, labels that speak over us who we are. Um, sometimes, well, often you might find that you are either an introvert or an extrovert, or um, you're shy or outgoing. Um, sometimes you can be labelled as intellectual or creative, organised and controlled, or chaotic and a procrastinator. That's me. <laughs> hey. <laughs> oh, but I don't receive that label. Um, <laughs> little life lesson in the notes this. <laughs> These labels can um, come from us through a lifetime of collecting data about ourselves and situations, or they could come from other people through the observations that they've had over a lifetime with us, or labels that they give to us just in a moment of seeing us as well. Or these labels can be placed on us by society um, as they dictate to us the stage that we should be at life. Like, are you a rebellious teenager or a wild child? Are you crazy or a goody-good? Are you a career woman or a supermom? Often the world says that you can't be both. Are you a nerd or are you a tradie or executive? Um, are you optimist, pessimist, realist? Honestly, the list goes on and on and more than what I've got labels here to do. Um, the labels can also come to our state of mind and our emotions and a lot at the moment is being talked about uh, um, levels of anxiety and depression. Labels. 
So essentially, as we, these labels are being attached to ourselves and we start living up to what they are saying about us, we are really putting ourselves in a box. Some of these words like being an introvert or an extrovert or being creative and intellectual, these are good character traits to know about ourselves, but they are not our identifier. As a preschool teacher, a big part of my job is observing children as they play and learn and grow. And through these observations, you notice that learning occurs through, um, through a lot of repetitive behavior. Research shows that repetition is building connections in their neuropathways in their brains. And as, the, as it keeps repeating and building, it's called a synapse. With enough repetition, these synapses are hardwired and sewn into the brain. And I don't believe that this is just limited to small children. We can sew into our own growing up psyche are these identifying words as we continually, repetitively go back and forth and sew them into our brain as we come into agreement with them. But just as one word should not define the person, the word of God can define the person. In Ephesians 1, verse 11, it says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Which begs the question, who am I in Christ? In 1 John 3.3, it says that I am loved, that you are loved. In Ephesians 1.6, I am accepted. I am a child of God, John 1.12 says. In Ephesians 1.1 says that I am a saint. And then in Colossians, it says... I am complete in Jesus Christ. Being complete in Jesus isn't attaching as many labels to yourself as possible, as though whoever has the highest points wins. Being complete isn't accepting what a teacher or an exam says about your intellectual capabilities. Being complete isn't accepting what your boss says about your professional abilities or what your family and friends say about your personality. Being complete is renewing our mind and knowing that those first four identifiers in Christ, that I am loved, I am accepted, I am a child of God, and I am a saint. I am complete. Imagine what would happen if you were to break agreement with these labels. When you cut the thread that you have been sewing back and forth repeatedly, is um, claiming those things over your life in agreement, um, and standing with them, making them our identifiers. Imagine if you cut that thread and started to come into agreement with what the word says you are, or who the word says you are. Then we are starting to align ourselves with Christ. So as in the more that you repeat that behavior of aligning yourself with those four identifiers, you're building new synapses, new neuropathways in your mind. And the more your behavior starts to reflect that, um, God, that reflect that God-given identity, the more those new synapses are sewn into place. So what I think, what goes through my head and we all have thoughts, fortunately, it actually tells me what I believe. What I think 
is actually a reflection of what I believe. So what we think, or what we have come into agreement with, like, it sticks there, like Tara was saying. We've got these labels. But like these ones, they've just, like, fallen off because I don't agree with those. So they just haven't made the distance. They don't, they don't last. But these ones, these have got little threads to them, like Tara was talking about, our neuro lines, the synapses that have gone backwards and forwards, that have gotten sewn in. So whatever I think on consistently, whatever it is about myself, positive or negative, kind of gets sewn in, gets stuck in. It becomes the familiar pathway. This is the way to go. This is the pathway that I tread. So what do I think? What voices do I listen to? Do I listen to God's voice? Or do I listen to my own voice? Like from the circumstances that I've been in, these are the conclusions that I've drawn about myself, so that's what I listen to. I listen to Sandra's voice. Or do I give away my identity and the voices that I listen to by actually like constantly conferring with my girlfriends. What do you think? What do you think? What are you saying to me? Or do I listen to the enemy's voice? And the enemy so knows how to twist any of those voices that I actually want to listen to. He's the master at it. That's why he's called the father of lies. It's because he's sneaky and he's clever. I mean, he showed that right from the word go what he was wanting to do. And one of his crippling lies that he loves to weave into us and trap us in is the lie of shame. Anything that I don't want to bring out into the open, you know you've got a little sense of shame over you about it. And we, anything that you know might come up in conversation with somebody else and we skirt away from that subject because we just, we don't want that to come up because they might not like us so much or they might judge me or use it against me if they actually find that out about us. And sometimes we even think that about God, like we've got to hide some things from God. You know, he might not know uh, the all-knowing, all-seeing, all-everywhere God. We somehow think that we can play, like John talked about last week, hide-and-seek, you know, where God comes into the garden. This is in Genesis, if you want to find this out. He walks into the garden like he does. He's accustomed to to chat with Adam and Eve, the first two humans he created. And so he, he does this every evening to find out how their day went, what was going on, just to, you know, catch up. And he walks into the garden, and Adam's not obviously around. And so God says, who can see everything and knows everything, he's like, where are you, Adam? And Adam's like... I'm hiding. I'm ashamed. For the first time ever. And I don't want you to know. And the amazing thing is, like, God knew, knew that. It wasn't like, oh, my goodness, what have you done? He knew. But he still came into the garden and pursued Adam and Eve in the midst of their worst day, in the midst of their worst circumstances that they'd ever found themselves in, he pursued them with his love. 
And that's what he does for us. Though we, we're, we're, we're hiding, hoping that nobody ever finds us out. When shame speaks to me, it says, I am never something enough for my parents, for my siblings, for my best friends, for my husband, for your wife. We're not something enough. Shame attacks our sense of worth. Am I worthy? Am I worthy enough? And for me, some of the key shame words have been, I'm never smart enough, never good enough, never think things through enough, I am not responsible enough, and I am not clever enough. Now, I have had specific events in my life, especially as a child where this usually starts, that I call my fact account, a bit like what Tara was talking about. My fact account, that things happened and I have come to a conclusion as a child with childlike maturity, so it was really, really awesome, um, a fact account, that then I have these conclusions about myself, about whether I was good or bad or smart or stupid, you know, all those things that I've just talked about. And then in that environment of my oscillation about who I am, the enemy came in. And he just whispers his lies. And to me, as a child, it seems true what he's saying to me. It seems real. It seems honest. It seems like, yeah, that's so right. And I find myself coming into agreement with his lies. And then life goes on, and it provides another opportunity of where I can actually be like, see, you are so right, I'm still so stupid. Life goes on, another opportunity comes up, just like life does, you know. And those lies were, I am dumb, I am stupid, I am thoughtless, I can't remember things, I can't do it right, especially under pressure, can't think right, can't make good decisions. You know, these examples, I'm going to give you three examples in my life as a child. Um, they're pretty like, you might think they're pretty lightweight, pretty simple. But I just want to show that actually we don't have to go through trauma to actually get some really wonky perspectives on how we perceive ourselves and what we believe about ourselves, about what our identity is. So, first one, I was two. Um, uh, my mother's Chinese and she left Malaysia to come here with my dad who's English um, and we were heading back when I was two and it was the first time that she was getting back to see her family. Six weeks on a boat, anyway, and, um, and my job as a two-year-old was to make sure I had my froggy, you know, velvet, green, you know, those eyes that kind of go like this, you know, and plaited legs, really classy toy. My one job, and you know where this is going, don't you? Mm -hmm. Drive all the way down to the wharf, meant to be getting on the boat. Sandra doesn't have Froggy. Sandra can't sleep without Froggy. <laughs> My mother is thinking, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, she probably is. So, my adult words that I applied to that when I was thinking about that situation is that I am never responsible enough. Get given one job and I blew it. I just like didn't measure up, it didn't perform. Okay, number two. 
um, school holidays, you all go along to those programs, you know, and you're in the big hall, and you're all sitting down, and they're doing stuff up on the stage, and they're asking for volunteers, and everybody's sticking up their hands saying, pick me, pick me. I think I must have been about five, right, really early on. And um, in this circumstance, I get picked, yes! Go up with four others up onto the stage, you know, get handed a balloon, woohoo! Meant to just blow the balloon up, okay? So everybody's like, who's gonna blow the balloon up fastest? Have I ever blown a balloon up before? No. Do I know how to blow a balloon up? No. But I'm thinking, you know, mum and dad blow up balloons, surely. I mean, if they can blow up one, I can blow up one. Huh, yeah. You know, Sandra can't blow up a balloon. Had no idea how to do the of air in first. You know that, that first to get stretchy? So, of course, everybody else has their balloon blown up and they're still standing there trying to help me get my balloon blown up and I just wanted to die. <laughs> you know, talk about stupid. Talk about dumb. I mean, who puts their hand up for something they don't know how to do? You know, that kind of thing. And I went a step further than the, the lies about myself. I made an inner vow that I'm never going to give something a go that I have not already worked on. I am not going to put myself out there. That's good shutdown, isn't it? How many opportunities? Anyway, third one, <laughs> mum was making cupcakes for a school event. I think I must have been about, I don't know, seven. And they were warming in the kitchen. They were smelling divine, and there was just like this ocean of them, it seemed like. And I thought, surely she wouldn't miss one, not just one little one from the back, so she wouldn't be able to see, you know. Uh, well, of course she saw. <sighs> and you have this conversation with her about, you know, oh, that my mum calls me Sue. Sue, I'm so, I'm just so disappointed in you. Can I trust you? You show me that I can't trust you. I'm like, hmm, so all my little things, I'm just so stupid, I'm so dumb, I just don't make good decisions, no, and then I had to go to school and tell my teacher why there was one less cupcake on the plate, <laughs> mum made me, I just had to say, I'm so sorry, I'm just selfish, and I just, just did what I wanted, and me. Right. Shame is terrible, isn't it? I'm sure you can all relate to, like, something that's gone on in your world as a child. <laughs> and it either makes you just want to totally withdraw or lash out, you know, one or the other. When you believe the lie, you empower the liar. When you believe the lie, you empower the liar. So I felt that when God was giving out all the abilities, all the nice things, like to my sister and to my brother, he missed me. I got like, woo, up and over the top. And I, 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 I heard and read that God was good and was kind and didn't have favorites. So for him not to give me something, I must have been wrong at the beginning, like right, right even further back than when he was like giving out attributes. There was something fundamentally flawed with me. That's the conclusion I came to. Wow. So at 18, when I gave my life to Jesus and wanted to discover this God that 
loved me. It were these things. <laughs> I could read those. I wanted to know those, but I didn't believe any of them. So I've been on this journey since I was 18. And he's been wooing me and trying to show me his heart for me and how he actually really does see me. But he could only show me as much as I was actually willing to let go of these identifiers. How much was I actually willing to let go of those things that I said that these made me who I am? These conclusions and then subsequently the lies of this is me, this is Sandra. You know, Papa God has been like, I feel like I've been on a crash course in this last seven or eight years and understanding and growing and knowing what this actually means for me personally and what this looks like. It's amazing. I am not what has happened to me. I am not the choices that I have made. And I am not what others believe that, that I think that they believe about me. I'm not that. I am his child. I am in Christ, and my goodness, I'm just discovering what that actually means. I am who he says I am. I am his delight, and he says I am perfectly and wonderfully made. He says I am his bee. I'm his beloved. You know, he's shown me this through um, healing prayer ministry times, um, through experiences of in my dream life and in my um, imagination when I've um, asked him to show me things. Um, this has happened when I've had other people pray with me and they've had words of knowledge or prophetic insight into my life. He's shown me that he has a Sandra-shaped space in his heart that only I can fill. It's outrageous, isn't it? His love for you is the same as his love for me. He doesn't have favorites. <laughs> I'm perfect. Wow. <laughs> I'm righteous. I'm his delight. I'm a jewel. I'm his daughter of whom he is immensely proud. But shame, shame shuts me down. And I've figured out, <clears throat> got more aware of that feeling that you get when you feel that the, the pokey's coming in for that sense of, oh, I'm, I'm going to feel bad about myself. And so I do everything that I can to avoid this. <laughs> I go into control mode or striving mode, or analyze the heck out every single conversation that we're having so that I can know and second guess everything so I can make everybody happy mode. Whew. I don't step up and try anything new mode, or I give away opportunities that I secretly would really like to have to be able to do, but I'll give it away to somebody else mode because I don't want to expose myself. <sighs> or only do what others approve of, what they give the tick to. Yes, Sandra, that would be a good idea. Tick. Mode. Well, as you could imagine, all of this has made me sad. It's made me mad. 
And it's got me blaming, finger-pointing, comparing, critical, driven, perfectionist, and anxious. When you believe the liar, you empower the liar. And he's good at his job. (laughs) So Papa, he says, I'm one thing. I'm righteous, perfectly made, planned, chosen, his beloved, and yet what's going through this part of me is not the same as that. And the key, one of the keys that he revealed to me when, when I was asking about, about, when did I start like thinking like this? When did I start feeling like this? And he raised up those three like really nice, simple little memories that I was thinking, really? Like, I've got some more impressive memories, you know, my fact account that I think, you know, a bit more, like, damaging. But those were the three that he's raised for me to, like, look at. And he said, you can choose. Do you want to stay in agreement with that? You have free will about this here. Do you want to stay in agreement with those conclusions that you've come to? Or do you want to break agreement with those conclusions you come to? And... When you break agreement with that, what do you want to replace that lie with? That's for the freedom of free choice. I could feel that, that what I'd come into agreement with was so true and so real, so stupid and dumb and selfish and all those things. But is my identity and what happened, or my identity and the choices that I made, or is my identity in whom God says I am? Well, I knew that I definitely wanted to break agreement with those things, because boy, they made me all those negative feelings. You know, I felt, I wanted to know freedom. This is the, the, the aspect that I just loved. And that finding and discovering that everything that I actually need was in here. Everything. There was no, not one bit missed. No emotion, no fact account, no lie, nothing that was out of God's reach. Nothing that he could not bring healing, wholeness, breakthrough to in my life. I'm not saying I'm perfect now because I've dealt with three memories. (laughs) But I know what to do now. I know what to do now. And one of the things he just kept saying over me over and over as I just kept tracking back through different memories and things was that he is not disappointed in me and that he delights in me. He is not disappointed in me and he delights in me. And I discovered in Zephaniah 3.17 it says exactly that. I'm like, it's here. Look, at it's like here. I was so excited, you know, when you discover that what he is actually talking about is actually everything that he said, this is why this is life to you. This is why this is your freedom. Amazing. I mean, I've been a Christian quite a long time, but I didn't really, I mean, I knew it. I didn't really believe it. Anyway, um... So the Bible talks to us about how we can do this exchange. It tells us that we actually need to put on the helmet of salvation. This is where the battleground is. It's all up in here. 
all those thoughts tracking backwards and forwards, endless, and you just want to shut them off. This is the battleground. Think saved. We will be transformed by the renewing of our minds. By the washing of the word is what it says in here. The washing of the word. Think saved. So I get to choose every day when negative thoughts come into my head. Am I just going to like ponder it, chew on it, sit on it, ruminate on it, find myself ending up sitting on the ground because of it, because I just don't want to get out of bed and face the day? Or will I take every thought captive and think, what am I actually really thinking here? What is it that I'm really believing here? God, when did, it, when did I first start thinking like this? When did this happen? Help me remember. And then I get to decide whether I actually want to stay in agreement with that or break agreement with that. Whether I want to forgive the person that I think has wronged me. You know? Or whether I want to forgive myself because... I was so stupid to take that cupcake. Forgiveness is powerful. Forgiveness is a key to one of our breakthrough. And then discovering the truth of what he actually says. What does he actually say about me? And some of the key things that he's spoken to me about was in 1 Corinthians, I have the mind of Christ. Think saved. In James 1.5, he says, I have wisdom from above. So my mind can make good decisions. I'm not always going to make stupid ones. I have the mind of Christ. And I have wisdom from above. Romans 12.2 says, my mind is being renewed constantly to think in powerful ways. Ephesians 2.10 says, I am God's masterpiece. Wow. I can't be flawed if I'm a masterpiece. I'm God's masterpiece and created me anew in Christ Jesus so I can do the good things he planned for me long ago. Ha! I so love that verse. <laughs> Philippians 1.6, God will complete the good work that he began in me. In John, 1 John 3.1, I am my beloved's and he is mine and his banner over me is love. I've soaked myself in his, myself in his truth replacing lies with his truth. I love that verse. I am my beloved's and he is mine. Every time I've gone through my notes or heard Sandra say it, it's like a breath of fresh air. And I think God's got that for you today. A breath of fresh air over your life. You are God's beloved and he is yours. His banner over you is love. I love how broad our identity is when we agree to have our identity in Christ. When we think saved, we truly know that we are God's masterpiece, which means we are not confined to a box or to labels that have um, been stuck to us by ourselves or, or others. My so identity is so much broader than that. Yeah. It's interesting that the enemy's tactics 
not just confined to the negative or you think that he's just going to tell you an outright lie, but as Sandra has shared in her journey, it's um, twisting the perception and the truth. And um, one of my um, misconceptions was uh, that I had to work through was when my younger brother was born and apparently something over, came over me that I had the feeling of being replaced, that I wasn't worthy, that I needed to be replaced. And um, yeah, but that's something that I had to work through and replace um, that lie with truths in my life. It, um, uh, that also just goes along with part of that fact account that Sandra was talking about, that I, I've created an own one for my life. And um, thinking saved doesn't mean that we can take off our helmet when we're in the safety of our own home or in the safety of church family or, or surrounding ourselves with um, Christian friends. Uh, you still need to have your helmet on. You still need to have um, take every thought captive and have um, have a filtering process, because um, even when uh, like me, I grew up in a loving family, yeah. and I still had this thought of being replaced that not my parents or my brothers never put over me, but it was there. Um, and I I had created a fake account of feeling as though I was the black sheep of my family. Um, my fact account to back that up is that I'm the ginger one. I'm the one with pale skin and freckles for Africa when they might have freckles, but they actually get glorious tan skin in the summer, which is not fair. <laughs> I've been the shy one when my sister, if you meet her, she's really outgoing and funny. Um, I feel as though I have trouble with words. I feel like I trip over them all the time, whereas I've got one brother who... Um, could sell ice to an Eskimo and another brother who would just um, stop you dead in your tracks when he chooses to say something. You know it's going to be good. I can look at them and I can see that they have their life together and they make good choices, whereas I feel that I've made monumental mistakes and I don't have my life together at all. So as I was collecting these facts and, and coming into agreement with them, I was, it really gave um, light to that perception that I was the black sheep of my family. Um, and I had shame attached to it, as Sandra was saying. But for me, shame was attached to the, just a little word, just. I am just Greg and Joy's daughter. I am just the eldest sister. That word just meant that I was only just worthy enough to be in that family, that I was only just, I was holding on by the skin of my teeth to be a part of it because I was the black sheep. But ultimately, for that family aside, it also meant that I was only just worthy enough to be in God's family, only just worthy enough to, to sit with God and to be his beloved. That God was scraping the barrel when he came to me and this thinking has robbed me years of knowing the breadth of my identity and my inheritance. Yeah. Yeah. Needless to say, I've really w walked through a battle of knowing that I am worthy and that I am a child of God. In this battle, there were steps to take, as Sandra has mentioned in her own journey. I needed to break agreement with my just labels. I am not the black sheep of my family. I am proud to be a part of my family, and I know that they are proud of me. I just had to keep washing that wound out until it was clear of all infection. 
I just had to keep cleansing my mind with God, with what God says about me. I am not shy. I am bold and courageous. Yeah, or else I wouldn't be here today, right? <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, as Christians, we often talk about getting things from our head, our knowledge, to our heart, to our beliefs. And so one way that we can go about embedding God's truth in us is through declaring his word. Like, do you guys have a favorite verse that you repeat of your life that brings a breath, breath of fresh air of you, over your life, that, like that verse before, I am, my, I am my beloved's and he is mine, or he delights over me with singing. As the band comes up, um, we're about to give you some time and space to be able to process this. Um, so that you can just take time to ask God, what is it that you need to break agreement with? What are you going to choose to stand in agreement with? Maybe it's um, part of the words that have been flowing off the stage today and out of our mouths. Um, You've already picked them up and you're like, oh, that's attached to me, I need to get rid of it. Maybe it's something that's niggling and it's in the back of your mind. But yet, there's still a label there that's attached to it. So uh, as you find out those words, those things that you need to break off your life, then you can ask God to share his truth for you. Um, And ask God, how does he see you? Who does he see you to be? And start declaring his goodness for you. If you're anything like me, then um, it is hard to know where to start in the Bible. It's so vast. But where where do I find things to declare over my life? So up here we've actually got a list of declarations for you. And I'm positive that when you open it up, there will be things that jump out of that page that are just for you, that God has to, to speak the truth into your life. We all process in a myriad of different ways. And we don't all have to walk this path in exactly the way that Sandra and I have laid it out or what our journey has been. As she said, there's prayer healing, there's dreams, there's experiences with God, and there's more. So please process in your own in your own way. But I think there's possibly people here that this is actually a new concept for you. That um, knowing what your identity is in Jesus, that you are a child of God, that you are you are beloved, you're accepted, you are His, you're a saint. And um, I'd just like to be able to give you the space, the opportunity to um, accept that in your life, to accept Jesus into your life. So I would just ask for every um, head to be bowed and eyes to be closed so that we can give people that space, to um, that privacy, to, to make that decision with God. And if that is you, if you feel that beating in your heart and you're ready to step out and to, to find this love that Jesus has to offer, Please um, give me a wave. Let me know where you're at. Oh my goodness. Sorry. Cool. Bless. So it's um, the wonderful band just keep um, playing in the background the opportunity um, for you to to come up and we've got post-it notes galore and you can come and um, 
write down things that um, that we've just been saying or, or what God's placing in your mind right now that you want to break agreement with. I'm a strong believer in prophetic acts and the way that that is just such a, a step, a, a one form of declaration of moving yourself forward um, in your journey with God. So um, write things down on post-it notes, pop them on the mannequin and then um, exchange exchange those lies with truth and come grab a declaration and this is this will happen in this space here but over here we'll just open up space if you'd like to come and have prayer have some of us partner with you and pray for for God to to speak his truth over your life God bless Lost, but he brought me in. 